0: Hey Logo Geeks, Ian Padgett here and on this week's episode we're going to be chatting with Mariah Altoff about how to create a mood board. Before we get into the interview I do want to give a big shout out to a sponsor of this podcast Fresh Books. Now FreshBooks is a cloud accounting software that makes it really easy to create and send professional looking invoices in seconds to try it out for yourself with a free unrestricted 30 day trial. All you need to do is visit freshbooks.com forward slash logo geek and be sure to enter LogoGeek in the how did you hear about us section. This week, I'm chatting with Mariah Althoff, a freelance graphic designer who focuses on brand identity design. Now, I came across Mariah just over a year ago after coming across her blog. I then reached out, we got chatting, and she kindly offered to write a guest blog discussing how to create a mood board when designing a logo. That was a great piece of content so I thought I'd get her on the podcast too so that we can discuss this topic a little further. Now Mariah's only been freelancing for just a couple of years but in that time she's built a very strong foundation for her business and has created some very clever sales funnels which include email marketing, training courses and even Pinterest. Now, we start our discussion around mood boarding, but then we learn a little bit more about Mariah, how she started her business, but then we deep dive into how she promotes her business on Pinterest and how she manages her email marketing too. So here's Mariah Altoff kicking off the discussion, answering the question what is a mood board?
1: A mood board is essentially just a group of images that are combined that will evoke some sort of aesthetic or visual style or mood that will serve as a basis of inspiration for the entire project or brand or whatever you're working on. Um, These images can really be anything. They can be photographs or logos or color palettes, fonts, patterns, textures, Sometimes even I'll use like interior design photographs or like fashion shoot images, et cetera. Um, Just really anything that resonates with your overall vision so that it'll give you inspiration and evoke like a desired aesthetic that you can refer back to at any point.
0: That's a really great overview. Thank you. So how would you go about creating a mood board? Like what tools are you using or would recommend?
1: Yeah. So when I first start, um, a big branding project, or even just if I'm really stuck on a project and I want a mood board for it, um, I will always start in Pinterest. Actually, Um, there's tons of places you can get inspiration from. You could even make like a physical mood board with just like magazine tear outs and images like that. But um, I found using Pinterest to be really helpful. I will just start by I just like I go hog wild on Pinterest and just pin everything that I really like or that resonates with me or has any um, like is sort of in the direction of where I foresee the project going or that really sparks an interest in um, some ideas things like that and I just pin everything that I like to one board, I'll usually make it like a secret board so that my followers don't see that I'm pinning a bunch of images for a client. And, um, I start there. Then, um, once I've just exhausted all of (laughs) my pins or I have a decent amount of things that I have in there, um, I will usually then go in and just see if I start to identify any trends. So, Um, Sometimes, you know, like uh, certain colors will show up more often than not, or like a lot of the images that I pin are super like clean and modern. So I will um, identify that trend and whatever really resonates me with uh, resonates the most. I stick with that and then just get rid of all the outliers that don't really fit into that aesthetic. So the first step is to just pin everything, but then the second step, I usually just start refining and, um, picking one general style or aesthetic to really hone in on. Um, then what I normally do is I will refine it even further. So I actually will narrow it down to around 10 images to actually use in my mood board. Cause if you have like 40, sometimes that can get a little overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Um, so what I actually recommend to, um, those that I actually like teach this to is I recommend using anywhere from two to five, like relevant photos, whether that's, um, images of other design projects or logos, or, you know, these like fashion images or whatever, even just like photos that you really like the colors of, or you really think like, um, has like shows this mood or aesthetic, whatever. Um, just any type of photos. I usually try to do like two to five of those and then one to two examples of like text or fonts that you like and kind of want to stick to that theme with and, um, one to two patterns or textures. So, I like to narrow it down to around 10. Um, And then I will actually just put together a mood board in either Illustrator or Photoshop. Um, Even for, you know, some of the people that I teach this to don't use those programs. And like, even if you just use like Canva or whatever, you could do that with just these types of things. So just putting it all on one page, I think can be really helpful because you don't have to go back and scroll through your Pinterest board every day and you can just have it right there to like serve as inspiration anytime you need it.
0: Mm-hmm. I know, um, a, a few years back, I didn't actually use me boards as part of my, um, process in, in any way. And mm-hmm. I found myself that it, it speeds up your, your thought generation process because you can kind of find that aesthetic that you're trying to create and, you know, it it becomes a really useful reference.
1: Yeah, I agree. I also, when I originally like started in my design career, that was not something that I had to do when I worked for like a corporate um, office. But I also um, find that they like, there are several times where in a project, I get really stuck and I just don't know what I want to do anymore. They're really helpful to just go back and look at and be like, oh yeah, I remember. I really liked this, this and this. And it sparks new ideas every time I look at it. So I think in general, just having something you can go back to, to remind you of your original concept, I think it helps keep everything really cohesive and it keeps your ideas fresh and um, gives you a point of reference anytime you get stuck.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a really good overview of, of how to actually um, create a mood board. So what I'm curious now is in terms of your physical process of you know working with a client, can you talk through like how you actually kind of integrate that into your process? Like at at what steps you would, um, use it? Would you show the client? Um, Yeah. yeah, if you can talk through that, that would be amazing.
1: Yeah. So, and I guess another reason that I've used mood boards is because it's really helped in my client process. I, um, am able to, after I talk to the client, We, um, I actually have them fill out a questionnaire, then we get on the phone, we talk through it a little bit more. Um, but I found that with mood boards, it really helps me visualize, um, or give, give my client something that they can visualize before we move forward. I think that just because you and I are talking and, you know, we say like, vintage rustic chic or something that might mean something very different to me than it would to you and so having this mood board can be really helpful in before i actually spend a ton of time on the computer designing something what do you think of this overall concept this is what i'm envisioning is is this on the right track is this what you're thinking too do you like this style things like that because um It just saves a lot of time, even though the mood board does take time. Obviously, it um, can help just put another checkpoint in the road to working with a client to make sure everyone's on the same page. They like the direction you're going before you actually spend a ton of time designing logos. So
0: hmm I know there there was a a project that I worked on a few years back where I, I didn't use any mood boards and uh I mean I I I created a brief as I would normally and then it got to the presentation stage and um I presented uh these Legos to the client and I mean I, I followed the brief and I, I understood it the way that I did, but I realized they wanted a very much of a handmade look and fill and I I taken it in a very different direction and in that instance a mood board would have just clarified that from the outset um, because like you said sometimes words mean different things to different people and um, yeah. the mood board is just a really useful way of uh, like clarifying what certain things might mean.
1: Yeah agreed um i I found too depending on who you're working with there are some people that if you know, visual stuff, especially design is not something that they're great at. Or, um, there's a lot of people that aren't, aren't good at talking about things. They're not good at visualizing things. So it gives them, it gives you a way to make sure everyone's on the same page and it, um, helps your client feel more comfortable about moving forward, especially if they're spending a lot of money with you, that can be really scary. So having these in place before they even spend, you know, any money with you, just knowing that like, okay, there is a checkpoint before you actually give me your three logo options or whatever um, that makes me them feel a little more comfortable about like investing in your services. So I think it can just help in a lot of ways. Um, I definitely, I'm glad that I've started using them once I went off and, Started my own business. I realized how effective they can be for things like that, and just client communication in general can just be so hit or miss. So,
0: mm-hmm. so I'm just thinking, like in in terms of actually fitting that in into your process. I, I take it you are creating the client brief, and then you know, first of all, starting with that mood board. Is that right?
1: Yeah. That's like the first thing that I do. Okay,
0: and I'm I'm just curious. So I, I take it you just put one together and then present that to the client. Mm-hmm. How how are you actually presenting that to them? Are, are are they understanding how it's intended to be used?
1: Yeah, usually um, when we have our like before we actually I actually start on it during our phone call. I sort of explain how it works. I also um especially for clients that I feel are a little newer to graphic design in general and might not have not be great at visualizing things I will send them examples of like okay here here's the mood board and then here's the final style guide that this took us to so they have a little bit of a reference of like oh that's what this means and that's how this is used that way they um can kind of put it together and understand a little bit better i think just examples in general, are just really helpful mm-hmm. for <laughs> mm-hmm. making sure everyone understands what's going on. I think as designers, we we have our own language. We have our own like things going on in our own brains that normal people might not fully understand. So as much as you can just make it easier for your client and almost dumb it down so that anyone can understand what you're doing and where you're going and how you're going to get there. Um, I think is an important tool that you could implement in your process. So,
0: Mm -hmm. okay. So, um, when you do present that to the client, um, obviously it's fantastic if, you know, you, you've got it on the ball, uh, first time, but in those instances where you've not taken it in quite the right direction, how are you dealing with that situation?
1: Yeah. So that's actually, that has happened a couple times and normally, um, that is actually a really good, uh, it's good feedback because, um, it makes sure that, you know, I didn't create a logo that they hated because we were off, off base on what we were each talking about. So, even though it like is annoying that you have to make a new new board mood board or, you know, start start over or whatever, um, it is really helpful because it saves you work in the long run. But so what I normally have done is I have them send me examples or even have them make their own Pinterest board of things that maybe feel more um they resonate with more if it's like totally off base. If there's just a few things here and there. One person was like, you know, I actually just want this to feel a little more um, user friendly. This feels a little more high tech and I want it to be She's like my target audience is older people and they get really freaked out about tech stuff. I just want to feel a little more approachable and this feels a little more um, techy, tech savvy, modern. So then I just like tweaked a few images, tweaked the color palette a little bit, sent it back to her. And she's like, this is great. Perfect. Let's roll with it. So, I think it just depends on um the extent of how off you are mm-hmm. <laughs> as to how much you need to edit it. So, it could just be as simple as like I really hate this like concept that you have in this image. Like, can we just swap it out for something that feels a little more inviting? Um, but it could also just be like let's just start over. You give me ideas and I'll pull from those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I,
0: I, I really like that because in the instance where you don't actually use a mood board, what you what would happen is you present something that looks very finished and that's when the client starts meddling in it. But with this, mm-hmm. you're, you're purely using reference images. So it means that when you do actually work on the um, final logos or branding or whatever, you are in control of that, and you have a clear direction of what what that a- a aesthetic should be. So I, I really like mood board. So thanks for explaining yeah. that. So I wanted to kind of move in uh, to my next phase of, of questions, and I, I just wanted to learn a little bit more about you. So I, I know that you have your your own business. Can you, so can you kind of talk through? the the steps that you took to actually um create your business like where where did you start out and how did you get to where you are now
1: yeah so my business kind of f- fell into my lap a little bit um i had always thought about how great it would be to freelance and run my own business and be my own boss um i was really Honestly, I only worked for somebody else for like a year and a half. So (laughs) I was like, super stir crazy. And I was like, I can't do this for 30 more years. Something's got to change. But um, I always... I had this like limiting belief, essentially, that I couldn't start my own business until I had more experience. So I never thought that this was something that I was going to do soon. Um, I sort of thought maybe when I'm 30... I'll, you know, look into it more, but I thought that I just wouldn't be taken seriously as a I think I was 24 when I started. Um so I worked um I was the lead designer at a print and design firm in my in the town I was living in at the time and loved it, learned a ton. If I didn't have that job, I wouldn't be where I am today. I'm super thankful for all that experience. There's a ton of stuff they just don't teach you in school that you just have to learn mm-hmm. in the real world, and I learned a lot of that there um but by the end, I was just so exhausted, I was so drained, I was overworked and underpaid, and I was tired of it, so I actually had a job offer from like a very corporate office, and I was just gonna be their in house designer, and I took it so I was gonna make like ten grand more. I was like done get me out of here. So I did that and within 3 months the company like almost went under and they fired like 30 people in a month and as the in-house designer I was like probably the least important but I actually made it through like three rounds of layoffs before they finally laid me off as well but um I actually felt it coming. I was like there's no way I'm going to make it through this final round of layoffs. There's no way. And I I got laid off that day and it like sort of sucked for like 20 minutes. And then I was so relieved. I was that job, like sucked the soul out of me. I hated it. I was so bored. I was miserable. And so by then I had already, um, had a, I had one freelance client one, and it was, um, It was actually the office that my mom worked for. I became really close with their marketing manager. I did a bunch of stuff for them. And so once I got laid off, I was like, you know, I'll start looking for new jobs. But they started giving me more business. And then I finally was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just gonna see what I can do. Worst case scenario, I get a job at a restaurant part time while I like build this up. And it just all sort of like spiraled from there. I just didn't really like this wasn't the plan, but I'm so thankful that it's where I am now. (laughs) I've never been happier. I make more money than I did. I it just all sort of came to fruition and um, all thanks to getting laid off. So there is good out of the bad. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. It sounds like, like you, you really put a lot of thought into it. And and what I like about that transition, even though it was accidental, you found something to kind of keep you going. So that, that part-time job that you found to, um, phase into that. So yeah, well done. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's amazing what you've done. So, okay. So in, in terms of actually like, so at that, at that point you made your mind up, okay, I want to go on my own what what was it you kind of did next what was it you worked on next to um to start attracting clients to start bringing in uh money basically
1: yeah so i did a lot of like let's try this and see if it sticks kind of thing <laughs> for the first year um i honestly had no idea what i was doing i still most of the time don't know what i'm doing i just try new things and see what happens um i just try to listen to my gut but when i first started I actually, the company that laid me off started hiring me for freelance stuff too. So that was my second client. So, um, which was awesome because they still paid me, but I just didn't have to like deal with all of their crap. So that was nice. Um, I started slowly getting some just like referrals in the area, just based on, um, my boss at my, the company that I got laid off from loved me and she was very connected. So she played a huge part in like getting new clients in the beginning. I tried out the, like, I don't, not like five or 99 designs, but like, um, like Elance or mm-hmm. whatever that's called now, stuff like that. And realized that that doesn't work. At least for me, I know some people figure it out, but I didn't figure it out. Um, and it wasn't until, I don't know, eight months to a year in that I started blogging. I um, decided that I was going to try that out. I have one of my best friends runs a really successful food blog. So I sort of saw her take that route and I was like, you know what, maybe I could do this too. So I sort of started to get more involved in this like whole online marketing world that I didn't really realize existed. Um, And grew my blog for the last year. I guess I've only been doing this for about two and a half years now. So I'm not like, you know, (laughs) super far into it, but, um, but my blog's really like grown in the last year and a half or so. And that's been really exciting to see. And that has been what's brought me the most just random clients out of the blue that I didn't already know or weren't referred to me. Um, which has been really helpful. I, you know, I I use Pinterest for my mood boards, but I also have used Pinterest a lot for my marketing efforts. Um, My blog posts will bring in people that are interested in branding and then they can see my work and then they contact me and we hopefully work together. So that's sort of the direction that I've found my business, um, falling into the best.
0: I just want to take a short break to thank FreshBooks who have been kind enough to sponsor this podcast and allow me to make it possible. FreshBooks makes it really easy to create and send invoices to your clients to make sure you get paid. There's no formatting and you can add your own logo and colour scheme too to make sure that your invoices reflect your brand. Another cool feature is that you can actually see when your clients have seen your invoices too, so there's no more guessing. It will also send automated late payment reminders too, saving you from any of those awkward conversations that no one ever wants to have. It was also recently redesigned from the ground up too. So now it looks absolutely beautiful. It's really easy to use too. So for me as a designer, that's something that matters and I'm sure it will to you too. If you're listening now and you've not yet tried FreshBooks for yourself, now is the time to do it because FreshBooks is offering you a free unrestricted 30-day trial. No credit card required. All you need to do is visit freshbooks.com forward slash logo geek and be sure to enter logo geek in the how did you hear about us section. Now let's get back to that interview. Mm-hmm. Okay, one thing that you said then is um, kind of fascinating me because I, I haven't heard of many people that have actually. Got client work from Pinterest. Mm-hmm. How is how is it that you've gone about doing that? What 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 is it that you're doing in in order to attract clients through Pinterest?
1: Yeah, so I actually took like a Pinterest course to figure out how to like optimize my pins and things like that. And um, my Pinterest following has just been growing a lot. I think it's at like twenty. 3000 followers or something nuts. (laughs) And honestly, for a while, I was just producing blog content every week for, um, I don't know, eight months or so. So I have a ton of posts and it does take time to like build up some traction with those. And there are still, I still have some posts that don't bring in any traffic at all, but like, it's sort of another one of those things where you just have to throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. So you just Put out as much content as you can and you see which ones actually bring in traffic. I have like four posts that consistently bring in like a thousand page views each, like a week, and then like and then the rest are like 10, 20, you know. So um it's just finding like that solid blog post that apparently everyone wants to read that is really helpful. I also um have I guess this hasn't actually like really taken off because I haven't really done much with these, but I recently rearranged all my portfolio so that they turn into long pins so that I can just pin an entire project and it's all right there. And it takes up more space in the feed. Pinterest sort of changed the long pin thing recently though. So, you know, that's neither here nor there, but, um, essentially just making like content that the people on Pinterest want to read about people on Pinterest are mostly women. And, um, in the space that I'm sort of in, which is like the online entrepreneur, uh, space, I just write a lot of content that people who are looking to do it themselves and learn more about it can go to. And then either they realize that it's a lot harder than it looks and then they can hire me. Or um, I've started creating online courses and digital products for people that don't have the budget to hire me right now. So they're going to do it themselves anyway. So I might as well teach them how to do it well. So that's sort of how Pinterest has played into my whole business model. Sort of a long answer. I don't know. Yeah, that that's good really answer. good.
0: So, I mean, out, <laughs> okay. out of curiosity, you 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 did mention that there was a couple of um, posts that have been really successful for you. Is there anything mm-hmm. particularly different about those? And um, I'm also curious, how are you able to track that? Because how, how do you know specifically that that one post has been um, most important for you?
1: Yeah. So. Um, well I guess two of my biggest ones that I actually need to create more of these because I make affiliate income from them um, I have two different font posts like pop posts about my favorite like font pairing so it's like my favorite uh, brush font brush fonts and what to pair with them and I have like five to ten font pairings with these like super trendy brush fonts that link back to design cuts who I'm an affiliate with and so I actually make like I don't know two or three hundred and in affiliate income every month just from those posts. <laughs> um, and they're always like my top posts on my blog. And I think that has a lot to do with... Um, they have like little infographic type things that I pinned. And those just went viral, like thousands of repins. And um, I actually have a couple different articles that aren't even font posts that have that I made like long infographics to go with it purely for Pinterest. And that's been really helpful in bringing, um, in traffic that way. I, um, but then I also like randomly my other, like really high traffic one is like how to make a, like an editable PDF in InDesign. Like people love that post. And I don't even really talk about InDesign on my blog, but it gets people in the door. So, um, so sometimes it is random, but I can usually predict that the ones that have accompanying infographics will do better just because Pinterest is so visual. Um, And then I know that Pinterest brings them in. I guess I don't 100% know it, but I know because um, on Pinterest, you can see your analytics. And then also, I don't really even use Google Analytics that often because I just don't really care about my analytics that much. Like I do, but I just like, it's, I either have people coming in or I don't. So I don't necessarily like crunch numbers every week, but, um, so I'll just like, look at my website stats in my Squarespace, um, backend and see which posts are the highest. And I don't get, I get some traffic from Google, but not a ton. So I just know that it's, Mm -hmm more than likely from Pinterest <laughs> yeah, okay. based on my Pinterest okay, stats so
0: It's, it's kind of like an assumption based on that and that. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, exactly. I, I noticed on your website that you've got this, um, like visual branding quiz. And I mean, for anyone listening, it's basically, it's a, it's a quiz so that you can create a free style guide with fonts, colors, resources, and so on. Um, so that clients can basically DIY their own brand, which is a great idea. Um. I mean, you you briefly touched on this in in your previous answer, but I'm I'm just curious to know what's the idea behind this and has it actually attracted clients doing something like that?
1: Yeah. So I will say the branding quiz is more for a bigger plan down the road to a build my email list, which has been working. Um, people love that quiz. So I, um, have a pretty big email list these days, which is really nice. And I do get clients because they read my emails so yes and no um but also the branding quiz is for a bigger plan that i'm actually launching uh next month where i'm creating a branding course so for anybody that wants to diy their own brand they can take this course and learn um all about mood boards and beyond so we talk about like these different like logo, um, like different ways you can make your logo and come up with ideas and how to brainstorm and how to like, just how to do it all. Because I know how overwhelming it all is. And I know how people that aren't designers don't have any idea where to go or what to do next or how to go about it at all. So I put together this course that will kind of stem from that branding quiz. So it's more of like a, okay, so you have this really solid style guide. Now what? And then it's like, Oh, well, this branding course is, um, a great way to learn how to do it all at a reasonable price rather than, you know, spending thousands on a designer. You can just learn how to do it yourself for a hundred bucks or whatever. So that's sort of how that plays into that as well. Um, but I do definitely get clients that are like, Oh, I took your quiz and I got a I got this result. And that is actually really helpful when I do start designing for them, because I'm like, okay, I already have an idea of what um, style you're looking for, but let's talk more about your business and see how I can integrate that style into something that's unique to you.
0: Mm -hmm. I think it's a really clever way of doing it because, um, you're not only capturing data for people that could potentially become clients, but also capturing data for people that might want to join your course. Now, a curiosity, that training course, is that going to be a paid course?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Yeah, I'm launching it in a couple weeks and it's just going to be one that's like open anytime. It's not going to be an open closed one. So I'm pretty excited about that because I, the majority of the people that are on my email list are interested in branding. So I think this will be really helpful for them. And it's like packed full of a ton of information. So I'm really excited to Mm -hmm. launch that. Mm
0: -hmm. I think it's really cool to hear this because uh, a lot of uh, younger people working out there, they... (sighs) I'm just trying to focus on one thing, but what you're doing is you're diversifying your income. So, you know, you've got um, yeah. clients, you've got affiliate income and you've also got um, this training course as well. And um, yes. I I mean, in terms of like email marketing, that was another thing that I wanted to ask you about because I, I get your emails frequently and they're also, they're always very good. They're always consistent. And it was something that I, I wanted to go into a, a little bit more detail as, if possible. So, um, yeah. so you've been doing this consistently now. I'm, I'm not sure for how long, but since I've been following you, it's, it's been consistent. And I'm, I'm just curious, like, since you've been doing this, can you talk through some of the things that you've learned by, by doing weekly emails?
1: Yeah. So I will say I don't love doing the weekly emails, but I know that it's important. Um, It is something that will either um, give potential clients more of a reason to know, like, and trust me because they see that I'm a real person. they also see that I'm giving a ton of value away for free. And they're like, well, shoot, if she's giving all this information away for free, like, I wonder how awesome it is to just work with her or take one of her courses or whatever. And then it's also just a good way to build up this like authority figure, um, I guess, appearance. So you know, people think you're super legit if they're on an email list of thousands of people or whatever. Um, I also make sure that anybody that replies to my newsletters, I always respond to so that they know that I'm a real human. I just want this to. I want people to know that it is me on the other side of all of these things. And um, I want them to get to know me because I know that just looking at my website, you don't necessarily know who I am um, and w- whether or not like I know what I'm talking about. So having an email list is a great way to be like, Hey, there's a new blog post up. It's all about these things. If you're looking you know, to get help with that, go check it out and then the more that they see I know what I'm talking about, the more likely that they're going to work with me either now or in the future when they have a budget. Um, or when I come out with a new course, they're more likely to enroll in it. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Would you mind, um, talking through like some of the tools that you're using and, um, you know, how you're actually going about creating the, the content for those emails?
1: Yeah. So I use ConvertKit. Um, it's, I had used Mailchimp for a minute but with ConvertKit you can do a lot more and it's not that much more expensive um it is you're you're able to create these email opt-ins that I have all over my blog for various different things I actually have um a free resource library that has a ton of different worksheets and cheat sheets and templates and things like that that people can um, get into once they've signed up for my email list. So they'll sign up for my email list. I send them the password, they can get into it. But also, um, from there I'm, I'm able to like tag subscribers based on what they've clicked on. So if they normally click on branding posts, I can tag them with like branding interest. That way, when I come out with this branding course, I will send them a few more emails about it than I would somebody who only, you know, reads about Illustrator. And for those people, I have an Illustrator course. So I'll hit them more with my Illustrator course when that comes back out again. Um, It's also a great tool for like making funnels and things like that. So once somebody opts in, you can say, okay, I want them to go into this email sequence. And that email sequence is already all typed out. So, um, you know, the next month and a half, they're already getting emails from you and you didn't have to do any extra work because they're already done. So ConvertKit's really powerful in that way. There's a ton of other ones that can do that same thing, but some of the more free ones, um, make that a little more difficult to do. So that is why I switched from MailChimp to ConvertKit. Um, I don't remember what else you asked. Yeah. And, (laughs) um,
0: so like next, How, how are you coming up with content for, for each email on a weekly basis?
1: Yeah. So sometimes I don't, (laughs) sometimes, (laughs) sometimes I have off weeks, um, depending on how crazy my life is. But in general, I will, it sort of depends on what I have coming up and whether what I, what I want to be promoting, um, or at least like priming people for, So, you know, when I, I had an, my first course came out, uh, last fall and it was an illustrator course for like aspiring designers and people that want to DIY their own graphics to learn everything about illustrator. And so for two or three months before then I, all of my blog content had to do with illustrator or why I used illustrator or how illustrator is more powerful than Canva or whatever. Um, and then usually each email, uh, would just correspond to what I was talking about that week and, um, would link back to the post if they want to learn all about it. Um, but then other times, you know, if for a few months, I had like more of just like random here and there stuff. So I would just email them here and there about whatever. So sometimes I have a really great big plan. Sometimes I have no plan (laughs) at all, but it's just sort of, um, I just sort of listen to like my gut and go with what I want to write about and talk about and then just try to do that consistently and have it, um, feel relatable and just gain some, gain a community that I wouldn't have otherwise. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. So the next thing, um, again, this is something that we briefly touched on already, but I'm curious to know, how are you actually collecting up emails?
1: Yeah. So Multiple multiple things. So on each well, not every post, but um most posts I'll have some sort of um opt-in. Well, I guess I have an opt-in on every post, but some of them are more specific to the blog content than others. So I actually on my post about mood boards, I have a link that's like, hey, I have ten different um mood board templates that you can download, put in your email address. And so i then anytime you know i have a blog post about branding in general in the future i can be i can add that opt-in to that post as well so i don't actually have to make more freebies Mm -hmm. i can just reuse them Um, and i actually have all of the freebies in a free resource library so i don't even have to like send them individualized emails i just send everybody the same email that's like hey here's a link to the free resource library. Your download is in there plus a bunch of other things. So then it's even cooler for them to like, wow, I get free templates plus 20 worksheets. Um, I also use that branding quiz to bring in a ton of traffic. And um, that's even a good one that I've just like had up in a announcement banner on the top of my website, because a lot of people that are coming to my website are looking to um, have some sort of branding done for them or do it themselves. So that's a good one that applies to a lot of my audience. Um, But in general, I just have, I don't know, maybe 15 different freebies that I will promote on different blog posts based on what the blog post is about. And then they just sign up right in my blog post. I also have occasionally hosted some webinars and I'll like put pop-ups on my website about the webinars that they can sign up for. Which I need their email for, um, and I have run Facebook ads for those as well, which I get their email for through them through that too. So, again, just this idea of like diversifying as much as you can because you can't necessarily rely on one thing, um, especially if that one thing stops working down the road for whatever reason. You have five other options to go with, you know, moving forward. So.
0: Hmm. I like what you said. Um. It, it seems like every time you're creating some kind of piece of content, you're attaching, um, some kind of lead generation in, in order to turn those readers into um subscribers, basically. And I, I, I really like that because you know you you're you're giving value with the content, and then like for a little bit more value that's associated to this, you can just you know, um, enter your mm-hmm. email address to download it. So that's 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 fantastic advice.
1: Yeah, I will say too. I, the one of my biggest pieces of advice is, uh, ooh, pieces of advice <laughs> with that is um, make sure that whatever you're giving away for free is super relevant to your offers in the post or whatever you're you know promoting at the time. Because I w- did have this like free calendar, whatever, and it was like a really pretty calendar, and people loved it so much that like it went super viral on Pinterest. And I just had all kinds of random people signing up for my email list. And those people aren't interested in my services. They were interested in the calendar. So um, if you do free things like the calendar, don't promote it on your website. Just send it to your email list that's already there as like a, Hey, here's this. Thank you. Um, But if it's not relevant to the content, they're not going to be interested in what you're actually talking about. And therefore there, there's not a reason for them to be on your list. So make sure it's relevant content. Don't learn it the hard way where you just pay for a thousand people on your email list that you don't even need. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can totally relate with that. Cause I've got quite um, a big email list and you send it out yeah. and you realize I'm paying you know, more money to have a higher number of subscribers, but it turns out half of them aren't actually interested in, in your services anyway. So
1: <laughs> Exactly. And with that too, like I've gotten to the point where I'm not afraid to just delete people like the cold subscribers from my um list. I'm like, okay, you haven't read an email in three months. I'm just I'm just gonna delete you because mm-hmm. I don't want to pay for you anymore and you don't care about what I'm writing. So I'm like not really a numbers person because I would rather have a smaller list that's highly engaged than like a huge list and only, you know, 5% of the people read it. Mm-hmm. So
0: mm-hmm. yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, that's something that I, I still need to um, work on because I have uh, i don't do emails in the same way you do. I do them now and again. And um, I feel like I'm really bad at it. <laughs> so, yeah, <that's> good <laughs> it's advice.
1: hard. I hate writing them, to be honest. Like it's not something that feels like natural and good, but I know... I know that I'm, I'm good at it. And I know that my readers appreciate it. So I do it, but it is hard to like be consistent at it. And, but I will say if you're consistent at it, the more I I found if you're consistent, more people are going to open it because they remember who you are. Mm -hmm. Whereas if they signed up for something two months ago, and then you appeared in their inbox, and they're like, I don't know who this is or how I got on their list. Cause I have several people that I'm subscribed to. I'm like, I don't even know what you do. <laughs> like I'm so I unsubscribe, you know? Um so the more obviously you don't wanna blow up people's inboxes, but the more often that you can just appear regularly, even that if that's just like two or three times a month, they start to recognize you and remember you and then they're more likely to open them. So it's less of a waste of money to have them on there in the first place. So that's that's one of my main like uh, motivators mm-hmm. <laughs> to keep writing them. Cause it's hard. <laughs>
0: well, I, I know, um, even with me, I mean, obviously I'm never going to be, um, a, a client, but, um, I get them in frequently and you know, you, you come, to, to mind when I'm thinking of doing things like this, you know? So I think, I think it's good to, to do just because, you know, um, someone might not be a client now, but because this email comes in their inbox every week when they do need something, who they're going to call, you know?
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad that they're working. And that makes everything worth <laughs> it too. When I hear people say that, so
0: <laughs> okay. So I've got one last question for you, just to wrap this up, and it's the first. Yeah. Uh, it's the first logo design related question I've asked you. The- <laughs> yeah. Um. So just to end this, I want to ask you if you could give just one logo design tip. What would that be?
1: Yeah. Um. I would say keep it simple. Um, I think that a lot of either, you know, I work with a lot of people that want to DIY their logo or a lot of amateur designers, or a lot of people will just like, feel like you have to throw a bunch of crap on a logo in order for it to feel designed when that's like the opposite of the truth. Um, I think the more simple and well thought out it is the less just like doodads that you throw here and there, um, the more effective it is. So I think even though it can feel scary sending a logo to a client that you feel like they might say, well, I could have done that. Like, first off they wouldn't have. And second, it's like, it's so much nicer. It's, it can be um replicated a lot easier. It can be recognized a lot easier. So simple and clean is better than over the top and over designed.
0: Mm -hmm. It's really fascinating because I've, um, I've in you're the ninth person now that I've, I've interviewed for this um, podcast and most people give a very similar answer. Um, So yeah, (laughs) it's, it's fascinating because I know um, like I, I've been working on logo geek for maybe five years now. Most of that time Uh it's been on the side. And when I first started out, I didn't really know what I was doing. So when I got to a Mm -hmm. point when I wanted to do really simple work, having the confidence to send that to the client was really hard but yeah because I (laughs) I think probably uh, the first really simple logo I did was just literally um, like a Helvetica Nui heavy bold letter V in purple with a registered Mm -hmm. trademark and it's the type of thing that technically you could have done in five minutes but it took a couple of days to to get to that point you know um, but, yes. but from an identity point of view that was the um, the strongest route and it was the most relevant solution for that um, project and you know if, if you are confident in the um, brief and that you've you've achieved those goals in the most simple way possible then you're always going to get it approved you know mm-hmm. I uh, like the, the more simple I've gone I've just had more clients agree the work been happier with it. It's been more versatile and I got more clients be- because of that. Cause the, the, the work looks substantially better too. Um, uh, you know, that earlier work that I did yes. where I was adding in all those details, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. It, it's, I still struggle with, Oh, if I send this, like, are they going to hate it? Because it's just, it's so simple, but like, I, I just have to do it anyway. <laughs> like, it's something that I mentally have to work through almost every time. But um, I agree. It's like they... It's always for the best. And you're probably... N- the clients that want like super intricate designs that are like over the top and like probably ugly in the end anyway aren't the people you want to work with. So um, I think it also has to do with just like making sure you're charging your worth so that you only attract clients that understand and appreciate your skills Mm -hmm. anyway, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's great advice. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, It's been really good uh, to finally chat with you. And um, uh, thank you very much for being a fantastic guest.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad I got to hop on here with you
0: such a value-packed interview Mariah thank you so much for being on the show now if you want to learn more about Mariah make sure to visit her website at mariahaltoff.com show notes for this episode can be found at uk forward slash 2.6 now if you listen to this episode and you got questions about anything that we've spoken about in this and you want to speak about it with myself Mariah and other logo designers from around the world well you can join the Logo Geek community on Facebook which is free but it's very active and it's growing very quickly and I'd love for you to be part of it Now it's very quickly become one of the very best places in the world to meet other logo designers and to get feedback on your work and to get the help and support that you need, no matter what level you're at, whether you're a designer working at an agency, a freelancer like myself, or someone that's just starting out when you do sign up there are a couple of questions the answers that you give just need to be brief but what that does is it allows me to uh filter out the very best people so we keep the group high quality and make sure that Uh, you know it's just a great facebook group if any of you guys have actually been on any of the facebook groups online uh, around logo design most of them are really bad but i've been working hard to make sure that the logo geek community is a fantastic group and if you're a logo designer and you really want to improve in your career and and you know get help and advice make sure that you join i'd love to meet you and i'd love for you to be in the community So thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.